How to test your RV wall thermostat. This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast, delivering the smarts you need to enjoy the freedom of the RV lifestyle without the fear of breaking down. We got a great show planned today. We're going to be talking about RV thermostats and a nice upgrade for them. Also, how to create a budget and save money while you're traveling. And then we're going to head off to White Sands National Park. So we got a lot to do today or a lot of things we're going to talk about. So let's get started and go to the living the RV life section and talk about creating a budget and saving money while RVing. So Alexis, besides spending more money at smartrvpartcenter.com, <laughs> why would someone want to budget while they're traveling? Right. Well, you want to stay on the road for as long as possible. That's kind of the RV lifestyle if you can do it. So we're going to talk about a couple ways to help you save while you're on the road. Um, one of the ways you can do that is by looking for either really inexpensive campsites or even free ones. Um, there's a number of websites. If you just type it in, free campsites, wherever you're going, you can find ones in your area. Um, and a lot of different national parks and state parks, they offer discounts for seniors, uh, citizens for military personnel and other groups so that's kind of one thing to keep in mind <laughs> right so, a, so it's not like asking somebody to do something that's really hard to do yeah exactly it's just putting a little effort into it yeah and yeah. once you kind of get into the groove of that i think more and more that just comes your way Natural. you know mm -hmm. you bring it up when you're talking to fellow RVers, yeah. or you go to campground where they have some discount special rate and then mm -hmm. they tell you hey if you go up here there's this other campground right. Word of mouth, yeah. <laughs> right. So that's a, a good way to save some money. Mm -hmm. So what's really the benefit of saving money while you're on the road? I mean, it allows you to have a little more freedom. You're going to be able to travel longer, you know, um, spend a little more money where you want to spend it. So it just kind of frees you up in that way, which makes it really nice. That's kind of what RVing is about, being right. out there and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times it really only applies to like a full timer RV where they're really out yeah. constantly camping where, mm -hmm. you know, if you go out for a weekend or a week, sometimes that's not as important as what, yeah. than what the trip is. Exactly. Exactly. And so what I was thinking too, is if you're a full timer and maybe you're saving all this money on campgrounds, then it, and even meals, eating out, things like yep. that, you can put that money towards things that maybe bring you a little more joy. Mm-hmm buying yeah. memories you know yeah. you're a store and you see this really cool gift you want to mm -hmm. buy it you know something yeah. like that yeah or if an emergency comes up always good to have yeah. rv breaks down you know that all of a sudden it's not you know you're just strapped for the cash you yeah. got some money put away yep because not everybody full-timing is on this you know they're not wealthy right a lot of people want a fixed income so it's a little yeah. different yeah so they have to plan a little bit better exactly you know or for that you know, you're in an area like in the desert in mm -hmm. the wintertime, you know, it's the wintertime is still hot there. Yeah. <laughs> Your awning fabric dies and you need a new one. Well, you don't want to wait. So nope. that would afford you mm -hmm. to get one sooner. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's a great way to save some money. And there's memberships out there and the yep. membership stores and, you know, the coupons, all that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. It all plays into it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if you know you need something and it's going to be on sale, just wait till you on sale before you buy it you know a lot of planning you can do yeah there is yeah so it keeps you on the road longer less headaches and <laughs> obviously more money to spend when you need to spend it whether you <laughs> like it or not sometimes that's right 
All right, very nice. So that's going to help you stay on the road longer. Now that brings us into staying on the road. And we're going to talk about testing your RV wall thermostat. So, you know, right now, today, when we're doing this episode, it is like two degrees out, something like that, or <laughs> yeah. zero degrees out. So it's very fitting. And in the wintertime in Montana, we get a lot of people that are repairing furnaces. Mm hmm. Fact during the summertime as well because it gets so cool at night. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you need a furnace just to break the chill. Mm -hmm. So it's cold outside. Yeah, you, you go to the thermostat, you flip that switch, and nothing happens. And you turn it off, you turn it back on, you turn it off, turn it back on, nothing happens. Uh -oh. The furnace just doesn't do a thing. The <laughs> blower doesn't come on, nothing happens. So you know you need to keep your RV warm. You know, there's water lines in it that are going to freeze. You're going to freeze. Your pets <laughs> might freeze. Oh, no. So you got to keep that furnace going. And sometimes you have alternative sources of heat, but sometimes you don't. A lot of people live in an RV with just a furnace, and that is it. So I recommend against that, have those backup heat sources. In fact, run those heat sources to help the furnace not use so much propane you know, and also keep a uh, dehumidifier in the RV if you're living in it because that reduces the moisture in the air and makes it actually warmer in the RV. Good idea. Okay. Off subject, back to subject now, wall thermostats. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you, you you know, you turn it on and off, nothing happens. Now you've got to get going. You've got to get this fixed, right? Because you can't let the water lines freeze, you know, whether you're living in it or you're out for a weekend. And also if you're out for a weekend and it's someplace cool where you want it, you know, this is a, this type of thing can be so simple sometimes. It's really not a big deal. In fact, I'll walk you through it, how to get you through a weekend without even having to replace the thermostat if that's what the problem is. So you can call a technician out, you know, at hundred bucks an hour, 110, whatever it is, plus their service call, or you take it to a shop, whatever it might be. So you're going to spend a lot of money on something that's pretty simple. So this is definitely something you can do it yourself. It's that simple. Most people could do this. You can diagnose the problem and also be a hero. Save the day. Yep, <laughs> no problem. Water's working. It's hot again. The RV's warm. This is nice. Mm. So if the furnace is not coming on, so in other words, the blower, the fan doesn't do anything. You turn the thermostat on, nothing happens. So that was going to tell you that it's probably the wall thermostat is where the problem is at. It's not going to be in the furnace more than likely. And so I want to emphasize, this is when the thermostat, when you turn the thermostat on and the blower doesn't come on. Mm -hmm. And I'm emphasizing that because so often things get explained to us very wrong and we go down this rabbit hole of bad information trying to figure out a problem. Yeah. And we waste time. Sometimes people buy things because we can, you know, they can explain it to us completely different than what the real problem was. They come back and, oh, well, the fan doesn't come on. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> not what you said. And, you know, we don't want to argue about it, but just that's, I just want to make sure you understand that's what it is. The fan is not coming on. You turn the thermostat on. It doesn't matter what make noise it makes. If the fan doesn't come on, we're talking about the wall thermostat more than likely being bad. Mm-hmm. So when it's the wall thermostat, it's a very easy system to diagnose. It's very straightforward. And as a smart RVer, this is right there in your wheelhouse. This is definitely something you can do. 
Remember, your furnace isn't working, it's freezing outside, and you need to get it warm. You need to get that RV back up to temperature so everything doesn't freeze inside. You know, you don't mm -hmm. want your water lines to freeze. You don't want to freeze. No. It's important, whether it's for a weekend or you're living in your RV. So RV thermostats are 12 volts. There are people that interchange them with residential ones. Residential ones are typically 24 volts. So it would depend on the residential thermostat, but sometimes it might work, but not everything's going to work. And people do this because they're less expensive in some cases, not every case. I recommend to stick with the RV thermostats. Don't just go buy out a residential one and trying to make it work. Mm -hmm. It's not always going to work the same. And you can try it. And I know there's YouTube videos and stuff, but, you know, YouTube videos, eh, the quality <laughs> isn't there anymore. Yeah. They're changing. And residential thermostats are not designed to bounce down the road like an RV thermostat is. They're not designed the same way. You know, you need to be careful if you go, do go buy one. If you buy one online, even if it's an RV thermostat, make sure it's a good quality one and not a knockoff. There's a lot of knockoffs of stuff. It looks just like a duotherm thermostat, and it's not. Yeah. It's cheap. They work twice, you know, and that's really the truth. They just don't work. If it's the thermostat, don't worry about it. It's easy. So let's talk about heat-only thermostats first. So your RV has, maybe it has an air conditioner on it and it has a furnace. They all have furnaces. Not all RVs have air conditioners. So let's say it has both or just has a furnace. It doesn't matter if you have a heat only thermostat. So heat only means that it's working just the furnace. It's not a thermostat that works the air conditioner and the furnace. It's just a thermostat for the furnace. So those are probably the easiest ones to diagnose. They're very simple. So all you have to do is take the cover off the front of it. Yeah, you might need a screwdriver, a very small flat base blade screwdriver, or something uh, thin. Sometimes they just pop right off by lifting them. I recommend taking a picture of the wires just to get in the habit of doing it. This thing is so easy, it almost doesn't matter, but it's a good practice to do. Sometimes the wiring can be so obvious, but man, you turn around and you forget how obvious it was and you wire it wrong. Like, there's no way I can get this wrong. Then you do. So just take a picture. It's a good habit to get into. So all you have to do is disconnect the two wires by loosening the screws that hold them to the thermostat and tie them together. Twist them to the furnace. The, the furnace blower should start, you know, within a second or two. And if it comes on and it, it lights, heat starts coming out, then the furnace is fine. Your wall thermostat is the issue. Mm. So that's an easy thing to do. So you've just bypassed the thermostat. You've diagnosed that the furnace works and the wall mount thermostat is defective and needs to be placed. So you can let the furnace run like this too. So you tie those wires together. If you have a wire nut, you can put it on there just so they can't touch anything else or come apart. But you can just walk away from that and let the furnace run. So like if you're trying to heat up your RV, it has been off for hours or Whatever the situation is, you can just leave that tied together. The mm. furnace will run. Just don't let it run all night, all day. You have to become the thermostat. Okay. So when it gets up to temperature, you know, maybe a little warmer than normal, turn it off and then let it sit. Then you fit when you, like if you're watching a thermometer, you can go back and turn it back on mm. manually like that. Mm -hmm. So it's really simple. It's safe. 
just remember you have to become the thermostat. Mm. You, know, you don't want that furnace to just run and run and run and run. Um, <laughs> you know, depending on how warm it gets, it actually could fail, could become another problem. Well, you just become the thermostat. So it's not something you really have to panic about if that's the case. That's mm-hmm. pretty simple. And you're not going to get electrocuted or shocked if you twist those wires together. <laughs> Good no to know. big deal. <laughs> so now you just need to go get a new thermostat. And we're going to pin that for a moment. We're going to come back to buying a new thermostat in a second. I've already touched on it a little bit, but we're going to come back to it. So now what if you have a dual thermostat that's for heat and AC? Basically, you're going to do the same thing. It just takes a little more time because there's going to be more wires going to a heat and AC thermostat. So if you're working with the furnace, you need to remove the cover and, or sometimes you have to take the thermostat off the wall. It kind of depends on the brand you have, um, with a heat and AC thermostat. You locate the furnace wires. There's going to be two of them and they're going to go, or actually one, there's going to be one wire going to the furnace. The other one's a power support or power supply, which would be 12 volts. If you can, Sometimes it's best to locate a wiring diagram. Um, you can get them online if you have a Coleman thermostat or a duotherm thermostat. There's plenty of wiring diagrams, but typically the two wires when it comes to the furnace are going to be the red wire and white wire. Typically, not every time. It kind of depends on how the RV is wired. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the designation on the thermostat. The color of wire actually going to it could be different, but if the the thermostat says W for white and red or R for red, then those two wires would go together and they might be different colors. So okay. keep that in mind. They're not always a hundred percent on that, hmm. but having those wiring diagrams before you need them can make it a little easier to, especially if it's a situation where panic is setting in, you want to get those fixed, you know, it's getting late, it's getting colder, you yeah. know, having it ready to go makes it easier. So whether it's on your phone, tablet, paper, copy, whatever, just make sure you have it and it's Mm -hmm. available. And like I said, some wires and RVs are not color matched to the thermostat. So that can make it a little more confusing, but it's still not that difficult to do. So after you identify the wire for the furnace and the power wire, like I said, it's usually white and the red, you connect them together and the furnace should start up. And if it starts up, then the thermostat's bad. And you might be going, wow, this thermostat just worked yesterday, just worked last night. Well, yeah. that's what happens. Things <laughs> die. It's kind of like your car. You pull up in your driveway, you go out the next morning to start it, and it doesn't start. Yep. <laughs> Things break. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to buy a thermostat, and that kind of sucks, but that's the way it is. You know, thermostats certainly make it more convenient. Basically, do the same thing with the air conditioning. Now, the air conditioning is the same principle, but there's three wires that you can use on the air conditioner in an RV. You have a compressor wire and a fan wire. You have the power wire, um, and you have high and low fan speeds, but that might not come into play on this. That might just be built into the thermostat. So you can do the same thing with your air conditioner by jumping those wires. And before you do that, I would disconnect or turn the breaker off for the AC. Just make sure there's no power going through the thermostat. Then after you get the wires tied together, you can turn the power back on at the AC, turn that breaker back on. But it's really simple to diagnose the thermostat either way, whether it's the air conditioning or the furnace. And so that helps you from or keeps you from buying a thermostat if you don't need one. 
because if the AC or the furnace come on, then that the problem's in the thermostat. If they don't come on, then the problem's not in the thermostat. Mm -hmm. It's in the appliance. So it saves you a trip to the store, saves you from buying something that you're just going to have to return later on because you misdiagnosed it, which it happens. Mm -hmm. It's an easy thing to misdiagnose. Um, we see it quite often, but we walk people through these steps so they don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's real simple. So that's something you can definitely do. And even with the air conditioner, you can leave it on. You just have to become the thermostat. So now back to the wall mount thermostats. If you have a heat only thermostat, you can go to any RV store and get a low cost replacement. It's easy. It doesn't even have to be the same brand. It could just be a heat only thermostat. That's all you care about. Hmm. If yours says Atwood on it and they have one that says Suburban, it doesn't matter. Okay. They work the same. No one's going to know the difference. Mm -hmm. So that makes it real easy. It just has to be heat only if that's what you're replacing. Now, if you have a heat cool thermostat or a dual thermostat, it's either going to be a Duotherm by Dometic or a Coleman or an Eric Cell brand. Then there's also Atwood and um, Furion has one. And there's another one made by Dometic. I can't recall the name right now. It'll come to me. It's not a big seller, but there are some out there. Generally easier to go back with the same brand thermostat in some cases you have to they can be very proprietary like coleman you can go put just any coleman thermostat will replace just about any coleman thermostat as long as it has the same functions mm -hmm. in an emergency though you might not worry about a function hmm. as long as you can get things working so it's just easier to go back with the exact same brand now if it's the winter time and your furnace stops working and all you want to do is get it working you don't want to spend a hundred and something dollars for that wall thermostat or 80 bucks and you can get one for you know 25 at your local rv store you can do that by extending the wires and just hook up a heat only thermostat it'll work it'll get you by not the coolest thing to do but it's functional and yeah got a thermostat so you don't have to worry about it the point here is though going back with the brand and, you know, now you're replacing your thermostat. Let's say you have an analog one. So you got the little lever, you slide back and forth and you want to go to digital. So it'd be a good time to do that. So if you want the digital, just remember, it doesn't change the, t the air temperature. Hot air is hot air. Cold air is cold air. It's not going to make it feel better. It's not going to add something to it. It's just a digital thermostat. <laughs> And so digital thermostats are programmable, whereas analogs aren't. So they can be a little more efficient as well, but you can program it. Mm -hmm. And there is a thermostat made by um, MicroAir. They make one for RV to replace the thermostats. Now they're specific to the brand, but these things have Wi-Fi built into them and Bluetooth. Mm. So you don't have to get out of bed to change the temperature. <laughs> you cool. can check it remotely, turn it on remotely through the Wi-Fi. So it has some great functionality. Nice. So um, that's definitely something to look at. We're going to be doing more about that in upcoming episodes. And it's something we'll have a, uh, a video on as well. In fact, we're probably going to dedicate quite a bit of a podcast to one. Because oh. it's such a cool item. And everything MicroAir turns out to be good products. We can get behind what they make. So as I said earlier, you can get cheap thermostats online, but be cautious of the knockoffs. Do not buy a duotherm thermostat that, you know, they say it's duotherm and it's 18 bucks, 25 bucks. 
it's not going to be a good thermostat. It's going to be a cheap knockoff. It's not going to work the same. We've seen them. We've bought them and experimented with them. They're no good. You know, the internet's becoming just a junkyard of cheap junk, and you have to be very careful, not just in thermostats, but a lot of stuff that's Mm -hmm. out there. You know, it's a a third of the price, half the price. You got to really start to wonder, you know, is it a main main brand? Do you see it in stores? If you don't see it in RV stores, there's a good reason why. Because it's probably not quality. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And not every RV store carries top-of-the-line stuff like we do, but they still sell decent products regardless. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to beat that point into the ground. Just be aware of it. We're going to do more on the micro air thermostat. And if you go to the smartrvier.com, there's going to be a page there under uh, probably do-it-yourself stuff about RV thermostats. Um, It's going to just have some wiring and some basic stuff, how to understand everything we just talked about will be in writing so you can, you know, go through it step-by-step if you're trying to diagnose something and you forget some of this, which that's understandable. I forget it as soon as we walk out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't sound good, does it? (laughs) All right, so that's going to take us to the next stop. And today we're going to be visiting White Sands National Park. And Alexis is going to be our tour guide, and she's going to tell us why White Sands. Now, this is somewhere I really want to go. (laughs) I think I say that about a lot of them, but (laughs) this place is really cool in New Mexico. Um, If you Google a picture of it, it just looks like vast just white sugary hills that's really really cool um and some of the things you can do there they have driving tours which are really neat it doesn't even look like a road they just will take you in this really neat jeep and take you all around you can look at things and it's a beautiful place that takes about an hour usually or you can go by yourself you can do it yourself there's also sledding and they sell uh, little <laughs> wax plastic saucers that you get in. That's the best thing to take down those hills. And they'll kind of show you how to do it yeah. safely because it's not like snow. You know, obviously it's a little different, but that would be really fun to do too. Um, so you can go sledding there. <laughs> um, and it's warm. Uh, <laughs> you can also do hiking. In most national parks, there's always a place to go hiking. <laughs> right. So the, the Jeep tours is probably in the dunes themselves. That's yep. why there's no trail. Yep. So it's designed to drive in the sand and all that. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool because you're kind of getting back where it's harder to walk in that stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, to trek back there, you know, it'd yeah. be kind of a workout. You mm-hmm. almost have to wear snowshoes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. The sledding reminds me when I was a kid, we uh, went to Pismo Beach on the coast of California. Yeah. And they had some dunes there. And we did some of that stuff. That's and funny. later on as a kid, someplace else where there were dunes, you know. It always work out like we planned. Sometimes you just roll down the hill, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you might. just as fun. You, you might do that, yeah. <laughs> a little sandier. <laughs> so that sounds pretty cool. White Sands, yes. I've been there. It's an or by there. It's an yeah. interesting place. It's yeah. very big. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. warm there in the uh, summertime. So well, nice. Nice in the wintertime, hot in the summertime. Yeah, yeah. It's still a cool place to go. And mm-hmm. it's a high desert there too, so it's... Right. Somehow it's there. But yeah, it's a pretty cool place. It is. All right, so now we're out in the middle of this desert, New Mexico. Is there any food there? <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> uh, well, for one, if you're a breakfast lover like I am, um, there's a waffle and pancake shop. So their speciality is breakfast. <laughs> so that's good. And then there's, this is a pretty uh, neat one, D.H. Lacombe's Winery and Bistro. It's it's a family-owned place, and it's just beautiful. It's kind of out in the middle, like by the desert and 
the scenery is beautiful and apparently the food and the wine are amazing. So that might be a place to, to look into if you're there. Fun to go to. All right. So to see you budget your travels and then right. you can afford the fancy place exactly. and drink lots of wine. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, you got to have the food. Again, it goes that whole exercising thing. That's right. So now you're out in the middle of the desert and... You know, when you think of the desert, sometimes you think of Arizona, like people out there dry camping out in the middle of the desert. It's kind of miserable. Do they have any amenities there? Yeah, they do, actually. Um, There's Alamo Gordo. (laughs) I think I'm saying that right, a KOA. Alamo Gordo. Alamo Gordo. There we go. (laughs) And KOAs are pretty nice. They're generally pretty big. Um, They usually have pretty good amenities. So if you're looking for, you know, more than just dry camping, that would be a good place. There's Boot Hill Resort. And then there's Mountain Meadows RV Park. So you're pretty covered out there if you want to go stay. <laughs> All right. So that sounds like a good place to go. New Mexico is a pretty cool state. I've been there a yes. few times. Yes. The trail of destruction along the way. Awesome. But um, there's a lot to see there, <laughs> a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Nice, just nice scenery. It's just really nice. So you got to check that out. Put that on your list. Yeah. And of course, this will be on the smartrvier.com website. Under next stop, mm-hmm. with all the other places that Alexis takes us to, <laughs> you want to go check that out. Now we're going to talk about RV envy. So there's a lot of changes in the RV world, um, and a lot of them are good, and some of them are bad, and some of them force us to do things maybe we're not ready to do. Like um, y'all remember the Atwood water heaters, mm-hmm. the medic. Bought Atwood, did away with Atwood water heaters, and they came out their own. We're going to talk about that in a future episode, um, but it's along the same lines. Atwood also bought Hydroflame. I mean, Dometic also bought Hydroflame, and when they bought Atwood water heaters, they got Atwood furnaces. Yeah. So that stuff is going away. So Hydroflame parts are becoming harder and harder to get, um, more scarce. Mm-hmm. Some are more available than others. But I notice that the medic who owns Hydroflame is no longer making some parts. So eventually they're just going to run out. Yeah. So at, or Dometic has made a furnace and it really is an awesome furnace. It's 19% more efficient than most other furnaces and it's 20% quieter. So those are huge things. Yeah. If you have a Hydroflame or an Atwood furnace and you're having a hard time getting parts or it's just time to replace it, which that day does come, then Dometic makes this their furnace, which is almost a direct replacement, depending on the cabinet that was built for that holds your furnace. Some of the cabinets are too narrow for the Dometic to fit in real easy. It's not just a plug and play. It's a little bit of work then plug and play. But it's a much better furnace. So even if you're thinking about upgrading your furnace, the Dometic furnaces are a great choice. You know, to try to go from a Hydroflame or an Atwood to a Suburban furnace would be really hard to do. Um, you know, because how they're mounted, the cabinet size, the holes in the wall. So there's some obstacles there. It's a doable thing, but Dometic's made it easier. And they only have, I guess, three physical sizes of their furnaces. They have different BTU ratings, but it's just three sizes close to that. So it makes it real easy to do this. And you're not going to go from a 20,000 BTU furnace to a 40,000. That's just, you know, over the top. You wouldn't do that unless you really, really had a reason to and you had the space and Mm -hmm. you could swing that. 
So, you know, sometimes we have to do these upgrades, whether we like it or not. If you can't get the parts for your furnace and you have to upgrade, that's just what you have to do. But remember, if you're upgrading to the Dometic furnace, it is an awesome furnace compared to the other ones. It's a good furnace, much more efficient, so it's worth the money. You know, you can pay a, the same money for less quality, that's mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we just have to do it. And so the Dometic furnaces will be on the Smart RV, or yeah, smartrvpartcenter.com so you can learn more about them there. So check that out, smartrvpartcenter.com. The Dometic furnaces will be there. And like always, a lot of this information is on the smartrver.com as well. So that's going to bring us to the end of the show today. I want to thank everybody for coming by and listening, listening to iTunes and Spotify and all the podcast channels. We're available everywhere, or you can go to our website. And of course, we have videos on YouTube that you can look at as well. So we ask you to check those out and subscribe if you like it. So this is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast. It's been great hanging out with you today. If I don't see you on the road, let's connect at the smartrver.com.